Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. Thank you for joining me and Happy New Year. This is Sherry Jefferson on Live with Sherry. And today's episode, we'll be discussing derivative shareholder actions involving CMEX, one of the nation's largest cement producing companies and one in actually one of the largest ones in the world. There are many who, uh, since seeing this advertised, if you will, on BTR, have asked, like, why CMAX? And throughout the next five series, you are going to understand why I chose this particular company at this particular time. Most of you in 2014 followed the show that I did as it pertains to Graham Holden, Kaplan University, and Barter College. And I encourage you to go back because you'll be able to see some of the successes that we've had and bring into the shareholders' attention the problems associated with that particular corporation and conglomerate. And you'll also see some of the successes as it pertains to them diversifying their portfolio and some of the companies that they once owned to now focus more on just the educational brand, if you will, of that company. And so today we are going to begin a five-part series on the company CMAX, which trades on the United States stock, um, the New York Stock Exchange, and has been traded in the United States since about 2000, give or take, if I stand to be corrected, I think maybe 1999, 2000, under the New York Stock Exchange label C as in Charles, X as in X-ray. C as in Charles, X as in X-ray. But Bloomberg and a couple of the others, also have them on different trade-ins like M&M. Some also has ADR and CLT if you're dealing with the companies that are located in Latin America for their trade-in. And the company was founded in Mexico, in northern Mexico in 1906. So they've been around a long, long time, but have only been trading under our New York Stock Exchange since 1999. And a lot has happened between 1906 and now. One of the main concerns that I have with CMEX is as it pertains to the poor quality of cement that is being produced and allegations that are being made in and on the African continent and certain areas of northern Europe. And so I thought it was applicable based on that and some information that I've been able to develop on my own and through conversing with others and doing my own research why poor cement may be producing and why some of the plants that are here in the United States may very well be responsible in part as well as some of those located in Latin America. And so when we come back, we're going to begin this five-part series on shareholder derivative actions as it pertains to CMAX. We'll be back.
for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, as we discuss this five-part series of CMAX, Shareholder Derivative Action. Because my audience is very diverse, not predicated merely upon locale in terms of those in the domestic United States and outside, but in terms of levels of education and socioeconomic background, I never tend to take for granted that everyone understands everything. And so as a foundation for this particular show, I just want to initially start by discussing a derivative lawsuit, what it actually means, what it entails, and why it's important that we understand the foundation in an effort for us to understand why a lawsuit may be necessary in 2015, why it may help save, if you will, CMAX, who's taken major hits since the around 2009 when the United States housing market went bust. And so we're going to gather some of this information and get a better understanding of why this company almost went into default in 2009 after our U.S. housing market went bust and why in September of 2014 they had to secure a $1.35 billion credit and an effort to assist them in refinancing a lot of the debt and reorganizing their company. And so with that being said, I think it is very important for us to start by giving you some background information on a derivative lawsuit and what it basically entails. And so from a layman's perspective, when we think of a derivative action, we're basically just saying that if you're a shareholder, if you're one who owns shares in this company or one who has generally what I would perceive to be proxy rights or voting rights, then you generally would be able to sue both the corporation, which is CMAX, and then the third-party wrongdoer. And that would be the director or one a member of the board that you believe is directly or indirectly associated with anything ranging from issues of fraud uh, to failure to properly manage and execute the operations of the corporation and or that individual who you would otherwise believe would be responsible for mismanaging the affairs or the financing of CMAX as a corporation. Corporation in and of itself is not the real defendant as we as lawyers would deem it. The real defendant is that third party, meaning, again, somebody on the board of directors who you would ideally say is responsible in this regard for the company experiencing some of these issues. And so although you would include CMAX as a defendant or party to the litigation, they are not the real defendant. And I hope that part makes sense. If not, then there's not much else I could tell you. This is not the show for you today. <laughs> okay? And so with that being said, your plaintiff is your shareholder, and that individual is not able under the law to secure damages directly from the corporation. So the purpose of the show is not in any way to assert or allege or to promote or misrepresent that the shareholder will sue and in turn be able to reap financial damages because he or she would not be able to directly reap those from the corporation, even though the corporation is a defendant. The shareholder usually um, cannot and will not personally receive any awards unless it's awards for attorney fees, which by law uh, the corporation would be responsible for paying. And as we pretty much already know, a derivative action is an equitable action at law. And pursuant to the uh, Federal Civil, Civil Practice Act, I think it's 20, 23.1, um, I'm quoting um, from what I remember verbatim, uh, 23.1, the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure would require that a person who brings a derivative lawsuit in a federal court generally must fairly and equitably represent the interests of the majority of the shareholders or members. Uh, so basically, in essence, what the feds are saying is, listen, if you've got, a, if you've got an ax to grind, 
So if I got beef with just one or two people or issues, if you will, with one or two people in their management or the affairs or accusations concerning fraud, and it doesn't necessarily meet or address the overall concerns or the rights of the other shareholders, and you're generally trying to at least majority what would be their interest? What are the rights that you're trying to enforce? What is the percentage of those in that company, that corporation, who would most be adversely affected by their failure to manage or by the alleged fraudulent activities? And then once you surmise that give or take, then you're able to make a determination as to whether or not it is to the benefit of the corporation as a whole for you to be able to move forward. Because, again, at the end of the day, the purpose of the derivative action is to bring about positive change. It's not to bankrupt the company or to put them in a position that is worse than when you started. And for that, the feds will generally, if it's a federal form of litigation, the requirement would be that the business judgment rule would apply. And that is basically, and I have a case that I think is important for individuals to consider. It's Carmen versus Kemper, K-A-R-M-E-N versus Kemper, K-E-M-P-E-R, Financial Services, Inc. And it is a U.S. Supreme Court case, and it's 500 U.S. 102, excuse me, 500 U.S. 102. And I think that that case will give you some real guidance, if you will, as it pertains to understanding, interpreting, and the applicability of the business judgment rule as it would particularly apply to moving forward with a derivative action. And it would require, among many things, that a demand is made. You have to, as a shareholder, make a demand upon the corporation itself that's being sued and the alleged wrongdoer. And you basically have to follow that as a procedural precondition to following a derivative lawsuit. So in other words, I can't sit on this radio show and raise these concerns and then immediately commence that litigation. I would have to be able to officially, in writing, certified mail, return receipt, make this demand, or sometimes the demand is made verbally, followed up, in writing, maybe at a shareholder's meeting or board meeting, and you address these concerns. And ideally the role is, are you affording them the opportunity to correct this wrong? Are you affording them the opportunity to engage in a very thorough investigation of your claims? Again, a derivative action is for the betterment and the overall improvement in the edification of the corporation as a whole. And although they are a party and a defendant, the ultimate person who's the real defendant is the wrongdoer. So your ultimate goal is to target him or her. And when we examine over the next five weeks the issues as it pertains to CMAX, you will see why a derivative action should be filed and some of the advantages to filing it and how it will improve or edify the company, increase its stock, as well as the merchants and consumers around the world who are relying on their cement for production. And we'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry, as we discuss today's episode, CMAX, a derivative action, and shareholder derivative action. We are going to make this part of a five-part series, and just so that you understand why it's going to be that way, is because today is foundational, but over the next five 
series or the five parts of the series. We're going to do everything from providing you with documentation and support of why a uh, derivative action is necessary. It's going to include everything from how the board members have failed to address uh, poor cement production. We're going to be addressing in part some of the acts and behaviors of employees that we believe have been the reason for or at least part of the reasons for poor production in terms of cement and ready mix. We're going to be discussing some of the other acts that are involved by the corporation that we believe from a social responsibility perspective leads to or should suggest and or imply fraud. We're going to go as far back to their founding history, which is Mexico, and discuss why we believe one very, very socially responsible issue, uh, uh, an issue that we believe they should be socially responsible for, is important and why as a result of them failing to address this particular abuse that has been committed by their employees, particularly in the domestic United States and Northern Europe, that it has resulted in many companies having to use poor quality cement. And we're going to give you different companies that are included but are not limited to on the African continent, Northern Europe, London, and we'll be back. Who actually can bring a derivative lawsuit? We know that it's an equitable action. Who can bring it? A plaintiff who can bring it must be a shareholder at the time of the improper transaction occurred. So let's say, for an example, that you knowingly and willingly employ an individual who you know has or has been engaged in illegal activity on the job. And as a result of this illegal activity that brought to the attention of the board members, this individual oversees or is responsible directly or indirectly for managing the affairs of the company. Not necessarily a CFO, but managing financial affairs of the company. And in the course of them managing the affairs, they're committing and or engaged in fraud. This fraud has been brought to the attention of the board of directors who ignores it. Okay? So if at the time, let's say that this transpires in 2011-2012. If I'm not a shareholder at that time, that may very well preclude me. That may preclude me because the requirement is that it doesn't say you shall, but it says you must have been a shareholder at the time of the improper transaction. The other thing is the law also allows you, if you were not, but by operation of law, maybe your spouse was and you became a beneficiary, and at the time that this transpired, they in fact were shareholders, then by operation by law, I, in fact, would now legally be able to raise this claim. So a person need not be a shareholder of record in order to bring a derivative suit. So with that being said, if you have that basic understanding of who can bring it by operational law or whether that person was, in fact, a shareholder at the time, that's going to assist you in understanding the things that we'll be discussing in the next five parts of this series, because then you'll be able to have your checklist and say, okay, well, in that year, I was a shareholder. Well, in that time frame, I was not, but over here, I was. The other thing that we generally look for is proxy, who has voting rights or voting powers. <laughs> Excuse me, and that is something that is important for individuals to take into consideration. 
doesn't necessarily mean that if you merely have that in and of itself, but you were not a shareholder at the time of the improper transaction, that you have standing, which is the legal term that we as attorneys will use. So who may bring this suit? We already discussed that pre uh, basically earlier pursuant to Federal Rules 23.1. But again, you must basically be able to fairly and adequately represent the interests of the shareholders or the members similarly situated in enforcing the rights of the corporation or the association. And so that is very important. So take the time out of the next couple of weeks if you're a shareholder Find out where your standing is and whether or not you, in fact, at the conclusion of this episode, will be one of those individuals who may, in fact, decide, I want to bring suit. Keep in mind that you will be required to make a demand upon the corporation, and I also suggest highly there's a number of cases that you can consider from New York to the U.S. Supreme Court to the state of Oregon, and I don't want to recite all of them now at this time, but throughout the next couple of weeks, you will hear me give you different cases that you can cross-reference in support of your decision as to whether or not you would like to be one of those individuals who move forward and or to request a, a separate investigation and or to make demands upon the board of directors, your CEOs, for example, in the United States has a separate CEO from the Latin America, from, what the, um, from the Dominican Republic, from the locations in Asia. And so if you go to the CMEX website, they also give you their team. Oftentimes, their management teams, oftentimes we have stock in companies either by operational law as a beneficiary, but we don't necessarily take the time out to research the companies in and of themselves. Uh, we just basically look at what, if at all, the companies are bringing us in terms of dividends. For example, I remember with Graham Holden that at the time that we started the show, with them back in August of 2014, their stock was almost like $900. And then by the time we finished our show, it dropped all the way down to, I believe, it's $708. And then they just began immediately, like, liquidating a lot of their assets and some of the affiliate conglomerates that they had, which included some of the television networks and the like. They were slow, slowly but surely trying to sell off those assets and separate themselves from it. We would like to think that the series that we did were an intricate part of that because they did have to respond to it. And so and others also moved forward with asking the U.S. Senate to get involved and conducted an investigation as well as the United States Department of Justice. And so, again, over the course of this particular series, you may decide that there are different courses of action that you want to take. Is it criminal that a company is knowingly and willingly producing for cement that individuals are using in the housing or commercial market that could result or resolve in buildings collapsing and skyscrapers like in North Europe and in places like Africa. So if that's a problem that we deem to be criminal, what actions, if at all, do you plan on taking? And so where derivative action may not be one of them, you might decide that there are other recourses that you choose to take, which might either be civil or criminal, and this will be your option to make a demand for that type of investigation to transpire. We're not going to make the decision for you. We're just merely going to lay the foundation so that you a proper use of word, right, a foundation for you to be able to determine if that is the best measure of action for you as a shareholder. And we'll be back. Oh, <laughs> 
don't know. I just thought it was me setting to do some Spanish music since the foundation of CNET since 1906 was in Mexico. Uh, that being said, one of the social responsibility issues that I am greatly concerned about involves prostitution and sex trafficking, and that is something that we're going to be discussing over the course of the next five weeks. And so that transition or from Mexico to the United States borders and some of the concerns that I have about what has taken place in those regions as well as on the African continent is something that I believe is not just a social responsibility issue, sex trafficking and juvenile prostitution, and how CMEX, if at all, is involved uh, or, and or members of their organization is involved and whether they have taken the necessary steps conducive to addressing that issue to meet and exceed what the standards would be. It would be basically up to you. The other concern is cement standardizations and safety versus affordability and poor quality of cement. And those are things that we really, really need and hope to be able to hone in on. I know that Jose Gonzalez, who is the chief financial officer, when they were accepting the $1.35 billion credit sometime in September, uh, basically was trying to lay out a foundation of exactly what it was they were attempting to do when they received this money from nine banks to help refinance debt. And I hear a lot about them trying to meet this financial obligation that they have by September 2019. But my concern is what exactly is the company attempting to do from London to U.S., from the U.S. to Africa, and to the Latin communities and Central America concerning complaints of poor quality cement. And what, if at all, have the American plants done to be able to provide quality cement? And what are their employees doing that is resulting in placing poor quality cement into the stream of commerce? And that should be of concern to everyone, regardless of the number of shares that you have, regardless of whether or not you are in a position to proceed with a shareholder derivative action or not. And so that is something that I think is very, very, very critical. Now, from the website, you will also be able to not simply come across information about their management team, but also take the time out to go to Bloomberg and read Bloomberg's website as it pertains to recent press releases and the like that CMAX has released. And then I encourage you to do the same by going to the Wall Street Journal, who's covered some things concerning them. And then there is a newspaper in San Diego, and her name, she's a reporter, her name is Dribble, D-R-I-B-B-L-E. And she has done a wonderful job about discussing companies out of Mexico and their commitment and responsibility to the international community. And I think it is worth reading, I think it's a good read to read some of her articles, because over the course of the next couple of weeks, again, we're going to be discussing some of those things. And so this episode is very foundational to give you some sense of guidance as to where we're going to be going. That includes everything from addressing sex trafficking and juvenile prostitution to alcoholism and drug addiction of employees to addressing the knowing, willing, intentional, and wanton distribution and production of poor quality cement, how it is adversely affecting the international community, and whether or not the cement and ready mix that is being produced by CMEX company is responsible for deaths of individuals around the world on continents like Africa and throughout North Europe, London, and Central America. 
And if it is the case, what are we supposed to do about it? What is our responsibility? And how comfortable has a company who's been in existence since 1906 become in regard to addressing this issue? Sort of like my coverage of the NFL, that as long as the world is watching when someone like uh, Rice strikes his wife, right, then you need to respond from a social responsibility issue. But when no one is watching you, what exactly are you going to be doing? And CMAX prides itself on safety. They pride themselves on autonomy. They pride themselves on being this type of company that believes in social responsibility and that money is not the bottom line. But as we go and we discuss these issues over the next five weeks, you in turn will be able to make a determination or decision, if you will, for yourself to ask, are there a company that values safety? Are there a company that operates under autonomy? Are they a company that's not much concerned about uh, the bottom line in the sense that anybody wants to make money? I think they're trading right now at like about $10 a share, which is nominal in comparison. Um, and it's been very low for the last couple of years. But the point is, are they concerned more about safety or affordability or poor quality at the expense of knowing that what is being placed into the stream of commerce here domestically in the United States as well as overseas is responsible for the deaths of individuals. It's responsible for economic losses. When you have a skyscraper that collapses, whether one or a thousand people die, in addition to the human capital and those losses, what about the investments? What about those losses that are coming from investors? What, and what do the insurance companies have to say? How will they weigh in on some of these issues? We'll be back. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry as we discuss part one of a five-part series on CMAX. CMAX is one of the world leaders in the production of cement and ready mix, and they started in 1906. They began trading on the New York Stock Exchange under C as in Charles, X as in X-ray in 1999. And today's episode is going to be very foundational because we will be using today's episode to discuss derivative lawsuits and the roles of the shareholders and what legal rights, if at all, the shareholders have to commence with an equitable action like a derivative lawsuit. And how by bringing a derivative lawsuit will it improve the bottom line for the corporation? And we think that it will. When we look at a company like CMAX and we see that it has suffered financially since the 2009 U.S. housing bust, and we see that they almost was pushed into default uh, and had to borrow or attain a credit from several different banks of $1.3 billion in September 2014 in order to sustain themselves and to help refinance some of the debt that it had. They are attempting to resolve at least 41% of that debt 
they're attempting to resolve at least 41% of that debt or the obligations by September 2019. And I would hope that they would be able to do that for the sake of the history of that company and exactly what it's been able to do from the northern Mexican borders all the way to the United States. And then now as we see that they've been able to accomplish over 100 years more being in business. But the fact of the matter is it seems to me that they're more concerned now with affordability and poor quality as opposed to standardizations and safety in the industry. And I think that it has adversely affected them, and by affecting them, it's affecting the housing market, and it also affects us as consumers, and it also affects the business communities as well as investors. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to start uploading a lot of documentation and information and also reciting verbatim some of the documentation and information that we have that we believe will be necessary for individuals to move forward with a derivative lawsuit. And hopefully there will be a change from the board of directors to the management team to the field and to just base employees so that these issues that plague this company and this corporation will cease and that they will be able to move forward and hopefully productively for the next 100 years. Thank you for joining me, Sherry Jefferson, on Live with Sherry. And follow up with this show again on next Thursday as we start part two of our five-part series on CMAX, Shareholder Derivative Action. Be blessed and be encouraged, and have a blessed new year. And remember, this is the year through my lenses, 2015, the year to take back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.